Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Midsommar. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss elements of the plot and they will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Oh, there we go. Woo! Oh, sorry, that was a bit aggressive. <laughs> that was very aggressive. Or well, given given uh, this week's film, it should probably be. <gasps> so, yeah. how are you? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, as you say, given this week's film. What I probably should have done was employed a group of people to stand around me and sort of imitate my every move, really. <laughs> I, I uh, every every sound to, I make. To to be surrounded by naked people singing as I delicately make love. Yeah, going. Um. So so this is the beginning of of our Halloween month. Halloween month. It's the best month. We watch the spooky films and then we fall in love. <laughs> yep, that's how it works. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. Um, that was like a like a soap theme tune. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Like neighbors. Yeah, everybody needs spooky neighbors. <laughs> yeah, spooky neighbors. The longest running Halloween show in history. <laughs> it's, um, you in s- Australian history, you've still got Harold in it. But he's this time yep. he's Harold He'll Shipman never die. instead of normal Harold. <laughs> He'll outlive us all. <laughs> oh, oh, Harold! You got Toadie. He's oh, an actual toad. Toadie, Toadie, yeah. Um, Carl, Jason, Jason Donovan. Carl was Carl the name of someone in Neighbours. I don't know. Um, and yeah, you had Kylie. I never really watched Neighbours. Did you? Um, when I was very young, I remember it being on. Um, but um, but yeah, I don't. I I have not watched it in a very long time. Do you remember when we were in the first year of university in the year of our Lord two thousand and six? Everyone was watching fucking Neighbours. I think we've talked about this on the show before. <laughs> this is what's great about this show, right? Is we're bound to just start repeating the stories. And, but you know if you're one of the people who listens to every episode then i'm sorry that we've done it before but maybe you're not maybe you're just dipping in because you like halloween or whatever you might not have heard it but yeah there there used to be a rush on dinner time in our halls of residence when neighbors finished because everyone was watching neighbors in the common room yeah it was really weird wasn't it It people watching neighbors and then you had people that stuck around to watch Hollyoaks as well oh god and it's just why are you watching these terrible terrible shows i I don't want to shame people for what they watch but Hollyoaks is one of the worst things in the world. Yeah. It's absolutely it really terrible. Uh, you could be watching Emmerdale or Coronation Street. At least Coronation Street had a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how you rate soaps. Has it <laughs> at many, one time or another featured a serial killer? How many serial killers are in your soap opera? I mean, there might have been a serial killer in Hollyoaks by now, but I seem to remember it just being a bunch of sad young people being sad. And yeah, sad young drama. people being sad and texting each other. The anti-skins. Yeah. 
Um, I never liked Skins either. No, I didn't like Skins. Skins was... It just tried way too hard. It was so edgy. It was your edgy teenage friend as Skins, wasn't it? Yeah, Um, yeah. Thought he was really cool, your friend. He's got a got terrible hat sense Uh, yeah skins was the friend of yours that wore an awful hat and would do mescaline and then wouldn't shut up about doing mescaline yep or maybe he (laughs) thought he'd got some cocaine but it was actually just like some sugar and washing powder (laughs) that the guy had together (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but speaking of terrible human beings um we watched (laughs) donald trump a very terrible human being. Um, yep. We watched Midsummer, a film full of terrible human Midsommar. beings. Midsummer, and, and this is your first film that you've seen directed by Ari Aster, yes. isn't it? So he's also the brains before. behind Hereditary, which I've not seen, but I think I remember you talking about on the show and saying it was good. Is that correct? That is correct. I really love Hereditary. In fact, I watched it last night. Oh, did you? Um, after watching Midsummer, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go back and watch Hereditary again, um, which is a very, very good and very, very scary horror movie. Whereas Midsummer, I think, is very different tonally. And I wouldn't necessarily say that it's particularly scary. It's got a few moments which are quite horrible. Yeah. It's very unsettling. Gonna you know more than scary isn't it yes yeah but you're not going to wake up in the middle of the night and think scary flower girl or yeah bear <laughs> man in a bear costume man, man wearing cute. a bear <laughs> yeah yeah um, no what what the, the only thing that i might make wake up in the middle of the night thinking about is after the um the man and the woman jump off the rock to commit suicide and you see the like smashed in face that was a really horrible moment for me. Yeah, there's some very graphic gore moments in this movie. And and I think it was extremely effective, the shot and the way they yes, showed it. And yeah. they lingered on it for just enough time for it not to be gratuitous, but for you still to be like, I do not like this. Yeah, and that that's exactly how I feel, is that this is not a gratuitous movie. And I think Hereditary toes the line just about the same as well, whereas there's some very shocking, horrible moments in Hereditary. Um, but it never oversteps into, like, hostile territory or right. what's that other shitty, violent horror movie that came out? Take your um, pick. Cab- Cab- Cabin Fever is another one, which is particularly gruesome. I've not heard of that. Um, and... Um, it was back in the era of let's go through let's go back in time and look at horror movies through the ages and there was a movement called the french extremities movement or the french extreme movement um which was basically french people making really fucking horrible horror movies where there was loads of violence and gore um and there was some kind of artistic merit because you know the french they're like oh let's just push it as far as we can and see what happens <laughs> everything french has artistic merit that's the rule <laughs> exactly that's the rule um, but for then you got a but then you got a bunch of chuckle fucks in america thinking oh let's do the same thing so you had movies like hostel come out which were just horrible and had very little artistic merit or purpose yeah i've heard um, that i'm never going to watch it um, but... it's a piece of shit like, I, I don't I don't mind a gory horror movie. Um, I find it no. intriguing if there's a point behind it, but there's no point behind Hostel. I don't object to gore um, or being scared on principle. I actually, I really enjoy horror movies, but I want them to unsettle me, you know. 
Yes. Rather than just to um, be a gore fest. And, you know, doing it for, as you say, extremity's sake is my least favourite thing in cinema. As you know, I have no time for people who are deliberately extreme, like Lars von Trier. He can fuck off. <laughs> oh, good old Lars. My favourite guy. Um, whereas, whereas I think Midsummer. Um, then maybe really we should do his to... Nymphomaniac series for this show. We could so do we could, Nymphomaniac. We could we? hate on it. I don't know. Finally it's got Shia LaBeouf in it. Talk about. Oh, there we go. Have you seen that um, meme yeah. of Shia LaBeouf smoking weed in his car and it's like, which Shia LaBeouf are you? <laughs> no, oh, I have not. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's very good. <laughs> I, I, I look forward to it. Um, but um, but yeah, so Midsummer for the for people who have not seen it, um, it is about um, a bunch of Americans who travel to uh, Sweden to take part in this very strange um, festival um so um there's a there's a swedish guy who goes to this university and he's invited all of these people pele. to come and pele howlin pele Almqvist from the hives <laughs> if only i'd love it if the hives turned up see that bear man walk <laughs> <laughs> um, hate to say i told you so all right and now your <laughs> friends are all dead <laughs> spoiler alert everybody <laughs> dies um but uh but yeah um so so there so yeah so he invites a bunch of people back to take part in his definitely not wicker man-esque horrible yeah. midsummer festival i mean um, let's just get it out of the way this is this generation's the wicker man right yes yeah um and, and what's interesting is that the movie doesn't really do anything to try and hide the fact that terrible things are going to happen and and there's so many story beats where you can see oh yeah this is a folk horror movie about a a weird cult that lives in an idyllic location um it never really tries to hide the fact or or cover up what's going to happen to them um which i think is very interesting And, and, and in fact i don't know if you noticed but there's that mural that it shows at the beginning of the movie that just outlines the entire plot of the film yeah <laughs> which I I'd think forgotten that but then I remembered at the end of the film I was like oh yeah there was a very a mural depicting all of the bad stuff yeah which I think <laughs> is great that it just it lays it out there right in the open is like this is what's going to happen um and then that's what happens but rather than it really being about the plot and the reason why I really wanted to talk about this on the podcast is that this is a movie about a failed relationship and a gaslighting um boyfriend basically yeah who Um, is the worst and and he is the worst he is absolutely awful um it's funny because i i like jack rayner as an actor and i think he does a really good job in this movie as being a proper piece of shit but because he's such an effective piece of shit you kind of think oh you're a fucking arsehole so now whenever i see him i'm like you're that dick from midsummer (laughs) whereas he's done he's done some really good stuff so he's in the um he's in the really good macbeth uh, adaptation that came out a few years back um he's in free fire as well um which is a very good um sort of uh vaguely comedic crime movie um directed by ben wheatley um and um yeah so he's got he's got a lot of right um, i don't think i think he does a really good job here as awful <laughs> well he is in one of the transformers movies if you really want to watch a bad film oh sure yeah why not if, look if i'm gonna watch a transformers movie i want shia labeouf to be in <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> oh yeah that's true he doesn't do them anymore does he that's no he's too good that's for them shame. um 
but but yeah so he plays this this <laughs> um but um but yeah so jack rayner plays this very very awful um boyfriend who he's going to dump his girlfriend um but then something very tragic happens and should we talk about that now the the sort of premise of or kind yeah, of the, the kernel it's, of it's the, story. the beginning of the film isn't it yeah yeah um so it's not really a spoiler but um basically her Florence Pugh is our lead character and you know we love Florence Pugh on this podcast she's wonderful and I think she does a yeah, stern stand. job in this film um um but her sister in this movie has bipolar and murders her parents and murders herself um this With rubbed me up the wrong way um really really I hate it because it is everything that a movie shouldn't do in terms of um depictions of of mental health issues and mental illness whereas the whole unnecessary story which we've talked about on this show before haven't we yes yeah um the the it's the unnecessary story element of someone with a mental illness is murderous and it doesn't add anything to this movie whatsoever including that um so it is kind of I kind of think, why was it not just a car accident or or something like that? You had to make it mean that way in a way that um, isolates and and threatens a, a, a proportion of your audience by making them think they're they're being othered by this movie script, which I don't agree with. I think it's a it's a very awful take and. You don't really see it that often in modern movies, but when it does come along, it's very, very jarring. And I think it would have been much better served if it had just been an accident or something like that. The fact that it is a yeah. murder, suicide, doesn't add anything to the overall impact. It's a bit lazy, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, know, you, come you keep expecting since... it to come back in a much bigger way than it does in the film. You keep thinking, oh, there's going to be more. She's... And there are bits where she sort of flashes back to it but actually really it doesn't come up that much for the rest of the film once they get to it spends like half an hour of them in the in the u.s all kind of going through the bits of their relationship and their friends and his lad lad buddies and um all that kind of stuff it spends like half an hour on that stuff and then as soon as you get to sweden none of that stuff really matters yeah yeah it it does it it's interesting because it sets up the framework of the friendship group and it sets up the her her place mentally as well and that's what the initial start of the movie is about but i think you could have done it in a much cleaner way with the family and in fact thinking about it what would have been very interesting from an imagery and and thematic perspective is if they'd been if they'd been killed in a house fire then you've got the destruction of her family by fire at the beginning of the movie, but then the re-emergence of a new family through fire at the end of the film. And I think that would have been a really good bookend um, from a thematic yeah. and imagery perspective. And it made me think, why the fuck did you not do that? That would have been really powerful. Um, but no, you just have to throw in some ableism. Just just throw us a cheeky bit of ableism. Yeah, I I didn't agree with that at all. But I still really enjoyed the film overall. Like it, it didn't, um, it didn't spoil it for me. Yeah, yeah, same here. And I think the first time I watched it, I was quite annoyed at it, and then that took away from the enjoyment. But I've rewatched this movie three or four times now. Oh yeah, um, and I like it probably just as much as Hereditary by this point. Oh good. Um, and I think each time I watch it, I enjoy it a little bit more, and I find it more interesting. 
um and i find it more funny this is a very funny film and it's intentionally funny yeah um and also it's funny time. because you feel like it shouldn't be funny as well like <laughs> yeah, yeah you can, farting you can... in church or something you compare it to the wicker man a very very serious movie um and and there is a dark comedy to this which i think a lot of people weren't expecting yeah um but i think it works incredibly well where there is this genuine humor behind it even in its most horrible scenes um which we'll talk about a little bit later i want to talk about all of the awful things that happen to the people in this movie and why they deserve why else would we watch horror films if not to just like sort of pour over all the nasty bits (laughs) we're not here to talk about Um, the romance although the romance part of it is what (laughs) makes the film because it's about the disintegration of their relationship yeah and i I think they do a really really good job with that in that you you slowly recognize how awful he is as a boyfriend as things go on so to begin with he's thinking of breaking up with her and you can hear that he's exasperated on the phone to her when she's having a crisis with her sister and and says oh i think something's up um that then goes on to and he's with his lad him. buddies let's not forget will poulter my main guy <laughs> will, will poulter the worst man in this film um, <laughs> love that guy but i i love his character in this he's really good um and um and yeah i like i like will poulter i think he's 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 very good i don't know if you've have you seen um bandersnatch the no the choose your own adventure choose your own adventure black mirror thingy is he in that yeah yeah i think he's in that isn't he yeah i think he's one of the leads in it um but um but yeah i've not i've not done it because i don't want to choose things when i'm watching yeah uh <laughs> watching a movie i want it to tell me a story um you know it's it's what they call a gamesman's holiday isn't it because you're a video game guy you, you don't want you don't want the element of choice in anything else in your life yeah exactly if, if it's basically for me bandersnatch is just a really shit video game yeah um so i i keep meaning to do it but i'm like ah oh, i just want to sit down and just enjoy it i don't want to have to make choices um i'm sure that it doesn't matter in the end i'm sure that whatever you choose it all ends up in the same point um yeah but even so i'm just like oh i really can't be bothered um but yeah so will porter's in that he's very good um, and he's very, very good in Midsummer as the worst of the friends, the most hostile um, to Florence Pugh's Danny um, and one of the worst and most tone deaf and culturally insensitive human beings in this film. Um, yeah. And really, they, they had him pee on the, the sacred tree. It does kind of come out of nowhere. And you're a bit like, even this guy probably wouldn't just go up and pee on that tree because like everyone else seems to have managed to go to the toilet somewhere else. But like, it is funny, and then the guy get the, one of the the Swedes gets very angry and tells him to put his disgusting dick away, which <laughs> yes. is very funny. Yeah, there's some very very funny moments in this. As um, <laughs> he also goes, "You're pissing on my people," um, yeah, as well, which is which is great. Um, yeah, so so he's um, yeah he's awful, um, and he's the most aggressively against Danny being there as part of this um this they're planning to have it as this big holiday where they either have sex with lots of swedish people or they take loads of drugs or they investigate them as part of their thesis which is what um what, what a true lad doing. does yeah yeah that's what true lads do um yeah. so yeah Will, william jackson harper um who plays josh uh better known as um Chidi Chidi in, in the, the good, good place. place he's great i didn't um, realize it was him initially and then i was like wow He's like 40 years old and playing a student and he looks amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, because he's um, 
well he he is he is now 40 isn't he it's um yeah it's incredible i think so yeah but he fits in really well with them and um and yeah so so there's a there's a small team of them so you've got you've got um william jackson harper's josh who is um he's the one who's going to do his thesis on the midsummer traditions of this of this small cult basically um then you've got um you've got will porter what's his character name mark um who is he's the one who's there to try and have sex with everything um basically a character from american pie who somehow ended up in a horror movie um (laughs) he's like not not stifler because he's not he's not a sort of lovable rogue is he this (laughs) is basically american pie meets the wicker man isn't it (laughs) exactly that's exactly what it is um (laughs) to frame it in terms of important cultural romantic films. <laughs> precisely, precisely. Um, Culturally then, important, I mean. And then you've got Jack Rayner's Christian, who is the worst man in the world. Um, yeah. And then he's planning to dump his girlfriend, Danny, who's just lost her parents and her sister, um, and go off on this lad's holiday to Sweden. But he's too scared to do it and instead says, oh, why don't you come along with me? Which she does um everyone's yeah. angry about it apart from pele the uh the swede who's invited them all um, yeah who is the who loveliest wants to get with her yeah the loveliest evil cultist in any movie um and and i think that's that's one of the really interesting dynamics of this film is that it does a really good job that not many movies about cults do in terms of drawing the audience in as they do the characters because um in terms of what cults are, they're all about creating these comforts and creating these connections and creating this idea of family. And by the end of the movie, you're kind of thinking about Danny like, yeah, go on, go and join this cult, become their May Queen and and, and have a role in this community. Um, and that's all to do with the way that the film frames them. But in the back of your mind, it's still, you know, these guys are fucking evil killers and eugenicists and possibly neo-Nazis, because have you noticed that they're all white yeah um and there was never any indication of of either i I think there's three ethnic minorities in this movie um and none of them are considered at all for um for being for for giving their genetic uh genetic role to the to the society to stop them all from inbreeding which is the part of the reason why they bring in other people um gd from the good place doesn't get to go into the sex barn he does not saying. get to go into the sex barn. Um, and then there's two other people, isn't there? There's Connie and Simon, um, both, oh, both yeah. ethnic minorities. They are the first two people to die. Um, there is definitely something suspicious going on with the number of white people in this cult. Um, but at the same time, um, although it's oppressive and although it's scary, it, it does a good job of making you feel as though they are still a community, which I think is very interesting and and definitely not done by coincidence and and in a way i think that's it makes it one of the most effective um sort of depictions of a cult and a cult environment in cinema um like you you don't get that sense from the wicker man you think oh my god these people are terrifying and they just burnt a man in a giant giant wicker fella yeah um, he's more on the outside isn't he in the wicker man yes whereas with this you get enveloped in the entirety of their culture and i think that's very interesting the way that they do it yeah for sure it it spends a lot of time on that and wanting you to feel like the culture is drawing you in as the viewer as much as it's drawing her into the eventual climax yes yeah exactly um and and along the way you've got all of these other cornerstones of cult behavior like um forced drug use 
um, sexual manipulation, things like that. Weird um, cups. You, <laughs> weird cups. Um, it's really. Um, it, I, d- I don't know if you know much about Jonestown. Um, no. And, and, and that. So so before um, 9-11, Jonestown was the largest single number of American deaths um, right. ever. And it was this cult led by a fellow called Jim Jones who um, took, basically, he took his entire cult out to, um, I forgot what, what country he took them to in South America. Um, so he had a cult called the People's Temple. Um uh and um he took them out to guyana and set up this commune there which all started fine but there was all of these issues of a cult so he took everyone's passport so they couldn't leave um it was guarded by people with 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 machine guns um and over time it became more and more dangerous until um a um a senator went over there investigating the the the, the people who were at the at, um on, on behest of the families of people who were part of the part of the cult to check on them realize there was something going on um so he was going to go back and give his findings um then the 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 militant aspect of jonestown killed him and tried to kill the rest of his party uh, and then they uh, everyone there committed suicide jesus um yeah it's it's terrifying um and and yeah it was it was awful um i think it was nearly a thousand people died um there and and a lot of what they did in terms of drug use and sexual manipulation they're these real obvious points of um of how cults manipulate people and how they get people trapped and there's an awful lot of that in midsummer um the first thing that they do is they drink mushroom tea and hallucinate together um they're they're constantly trying to get the men to to go and um have sex with with female members of the of the cult yeah um but it takes its time to get into that actually happening which i think is very effective yes yeah um and so it's really interesting the way that they clearly built in an awful lot of of cult behaviors into this but at the same time still cast it as oh, these people are dicks and they're getting murdered by a cult, but it's kind of fine because they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, so it's a really interesting dynamic. And 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 um, and um through that, you get to witness Danny's transformation into a, into a you know, um, a, a lauded member of the cult and, and finding her own community. And um, at the end of the movie, she's smiling, having witnessed one of the most horrific things that ever, that's ever been put in cinema. Yeah. And you think it, it's kind of that toss-up of, she's found family again but she's been taken in by a terrifying horrible cult um and and so you're left with this very disturbing image as this uplifting music swells and your main character appears happy for possibly the first time in the entire film it's very very yeah. disconcerting um and really is, well but you done. don't mind it because her boyfriend deserved it he deserved to get <laughs> yeah. cucked in a bear costume and even though cucked he's the one who has sex with someone else, I feel like he still got cucked. Yeah, he definitely got he got cult cucked. Yeah, this is the, the worst kind of being cucked. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it, uh, might I point out it's not just a bear costume. They they kill no, a bear. It's an actual bear. It's like a panther. Um, yeah, they they, they kill a bear, take out its organs, and then sew him into a bear. Um, it is really horrible, but slightly funny at the same time. And I, I and I guess that's kind of the the overall message of this movie is it is really horrible, but slightly funny at the same time. Yeah, 
It's and it's not necessarily like goofy funny, is it? It's just like because it's so it's more weird funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There, there's almost elements of kind of that indie mumblecore scene. So when they walk past and go, so we're just going to ignore the bear then, and then so the guy goes, oh, it's a bear. <laughs> that kind of thing is it is it is there's that weird kind of offbeat humor so it's somewhere between mumblecore and um almost wes anderson-esque at times yeah um the stylization really i think is something that wes anderson would appreciate he's probably watching yes. this going god i fucking love a triangular house hell yeah <laughs> And it did it did um, make me reiterate, I would really love to see Wes Anderson make a horror movie because I imagine it would be something a little bit like this. Yes, um, I genuinely would. I think he'd and, be great at that. And I, I, I genuinely think he would be, be a wonderful choice Although, for, for a horror what's movie. The, the weird dog puppet one, Isle of Dogs? <laughs> yes, Isle of Dogs. That yeah. looks like some eldritch horror. That's probably <laughs> nasty enough. <laughs> It really does, doesn't it? I've not seen it. I've it not seen it. I love his work, but that, the puppets in that look really strange. Yeah, yeah. I think the effect um, but, of but that I... on me is similar to something like The Lion King on you, which we still need to talk about, by the way. But um, We do, yeah. we do. The, the um, um, but... photorealistic animation of lions talking and singing is um, not good. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's it's bits like um, in the Grand Budapest Hotel, you've got those bits with Willem Dafoe when he murders people. And it's horrifying, but also really fun. And that's what I want out of a Wes Anderson horror movie is just that yeah. I think would be really good. So Wes, if you're listening, and you probably are, because I know you're a big fan. Um, make a week. horror movie, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he listens every week. Um, yeah, make, make, a, make a horror movie, guys. It'd be great. Um, but um but yes horrible things be in it (laughs) yeah get him in it'd be great um but yeah horrible things do happen in midsummer so um so will porter um someone says come with me and he goes okay i think i'm gonna have sex now so if he trots yeah even though Um, he does look a bit nervous about it doesn't he he does look a bit nervous about it you do not see him again until you see just his face which is being worn by somebody else yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all slack and weird. Things. You know what it looks like? It looks yeah. like the Tortilla Man from Slipknot. <laughs> it really does look like the Tortilla Man from Slipknot, doesn't it? That's very astute. Um, yeah, so so he gets um, he gets skinned, um, and there is a little bit of foreshadowing for that because all of the kids at the at the um, cult um, they they're playing a game called Skin the Fool. And uh, I don't know if you caught that when when they first arrive, they ask what the kids are doing and say, "Oh, they're playing skin the fool." And then later on, they skin the fool. Oh, uh, I did, I did not then, notice that. And then right at the end, his skin is there with a dunt with a, like a jester's cap on top. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's all uh, all 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 ties together quite neatly. Um. Unfortunately, um, our boy Cheedy uh, gets bonked over the head. Um. And uh, and he is no longer there. Yeah, um, his death wasn't nasty enough, really, was it? Yeah, he, he it was it was shocking. It was quite brutal, but it wasn't um, being skinned or having your organs displayed outside of your body or being paralyzed, stitched into a bear, and set on fire. <laughs> um, yeah. which is what happens to Christian. So Christian um, does not have a good time at the Midsummer Festival. It's fair to say. So um, no. he turns up. 
he is a gaslighting piece of shit to his girlfriend. He forgets her birthday and then gives her a piece of cake. He forgets how um, long they've been together. Yep. He, I was thinking, um, yeah, he, he gives her like a dry piece of cake. <laughs> Which is yeah. the perfect way to get across what a bastard he is. It's like one slice of dry, dry ass looking, not even lemon drizzle cake. It looks like a bit of stale panettone, doesn't it? That's what it looks <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not even uh, like a nice then, Swedish cake. No, no. Um, he then uh, tries to steal his best friend's thesis idea, um, which I think, as a you are a PhD man, I imagine if someone tried to do that to you, you would not be particularly happy. No, definitely. I would um, be furious. He then uh, gets. He then eats a lot of pubic hair in things like pies. Um, yeah, reminiscent, of course, <laughs> of she's all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nice three road between. Well, I think that was one of Ari Aster's favorite films. Direct <laughs> one inspiration. Many, one of the many correlations between Midsummer and She's all that. Yeah, Skin the Fool People is not dissimilar to Hacky Sack, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, uh, he then gets drugged um, and then uh, raped. I suppose is the best way to put it. Um, uh, where he's sort of taken into this room. Um, has sex with uh, a woman under the influence of drugs, whilst all of the other, like, sort of matronly women of the cult stand around singing at them. Yeah, uh, and mimicking their sounds, which is a recurring (laughs) trope. Yep, and mimicking their sounds. Um, It's it's very, very horrifying, but also very funny, because he's running around with his bum out, and there's something hilarious about that. (laughs) There's a lot of bum shots, Um, aren't there? There are a lot of bum shots. Um, then he gets um, he gets paralyzed with some kind of uh, agent uh, and then gets sewn into a bear. And then he is part of the ritual at the end where um, every 90 years uh, they, they find sacrifices. And some of them are internal to the cult and others are external to the cult. Yeah. He is unfortunately one of the external sacrifices. Um, and they put him in a barn and set them on fire um, in a very, very beautiful but awful scene. It's, it's gorgeous. I think I think that's the real takeaway from this movie is Hereditary is a really powerfully shot film and it's very pretty and very beautiful. But at the, you know, Midsummer really takes it to another level. This is one of the most gorgeously shot films I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it looks beautiful. And that's something that definitely really carries it as well. It's really it's perfectly stylized, and you you believe it all, even though it looks really dreamlike. Actually, in a way, doesn't it? You still it still seems totally real as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the perfect thing. Is it, it was all shot in Hungary, I believe. Yes. Um, and um, it, it it does have this idea um, idyllic sort of setting to it, and it's really beautiful and picturesque. Um, they he very carefully weaves in hallucinations here and there as well but mm-hmm. does it in such a way that it's not jarring so it all feels very natural you've got these these trees moving in the background or or faces appearing or or grass growing over her fingertips and things like that yeah um but it's all done in a way that feels very coherent to the natural world around them which i think is very well done yeah for sure and it, again it feels like it really gets across how you'd feel if you were in that situation and you know, and you were hallucinating, and you were experiencing this beautiful place, but with all the the weirdness that comes with it, I think you, it's a film that really does make you feel like you're there. 
And part yes, of that is yes. to do with the, the cinematography as well, the shots, the dialogue, the way it frames people's faces, I think, was really good as well. It's little things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cleverly shot. And at some point, I'd love for you to watch Hereditary. It is, it is in no way suitable for this podcast. Um, but if you do ever time, find the time to be mentally scarred by a very, very effective horror film, um, I do recommend that you watch that as well. I might check it out. It is it is awful. It's really um it's really impacting and pretty awful, like horrible at times. Um whereas this is much more subtle and I think just as effective in horror but in a very different way. Yeah, for sure. It's it's an extremely effective film. And you know, I, I can see why it was, you know, critically acclaimed, more or less. Maybe there were some people who didn't like it, but I think the reviews were good and people seem to hold it in high esteem and rightly so yeah i think there were some jarring um opinions from audience members where people were like this is weird and this isn't the wicker man it's weird i don't like it why am i looking at this man's bum why, uh, why is it taking <laughs> half an hour for them to get from the, from the u.s to sweden well the director's <laughs> cut was even longer <laughs> and this is a fucking long movie it's two and a half hours which is an awfully long time for a horror film yeah um, but I, I think it justified itself. And when I saw the running time, I was like, okay, wow. And then when we got about sort of half an hour, 40 minutes in, I was like, Jesus Christ, nothing has happened. But I, th- <laughs> I felt like the runtime was justified and it invested enough time in all of the various elements that needed to come together for you to believe and for you to be happy with the fact that she smiles at the end while her <laughs> dickhead dickhead boyfriend is dying in a fire in a bear costume <laughs> yeah it's and I, and I think you're completely right it's the first time i watched this as well i thought jesus christ this has been going on for a long time um but by the end you realize that actually it's very carefully paced out and i've not seen the director's cuts um i'm very intrigued to see what those what that extra half hour adds to the film and whether that really makes it over long um, because I think this cut feels pretty perfect in terms of length. When when you reach the end of the movie, I think it it makes sense, doesn't it? That it is it needs oh, yeah. to be this long. A hundred percent. It feels like a worthy investment of your time, and that's not generally the case with films over two hours, is it? No, no. A lot of the time, especially horror films. I think yeah, where and... often it ends up that what you've had ninety minutes of maybe an okay story, and then half an hour of gratuitous bullshit. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is often the most effective horror movies are around 90 minutes in length um, and as they get longer often they do feel a bit bloated and they lose their scares um, but because this... Yeah. Bloated uh, like a man inside a bear <laughs> Bloated like a man cooking inside a bear the worst kind of turducken um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're probably going to eat him afterwards yeah, yeah, but you have to eat the house as well you gotta, Yeah, you've got to eat the house and then you eat the fool and then you eat the bear man um <laughs> but um but yeah a, lo- a lot of the time yeah overly long horror movies lose their scares but i suppose part of the reason why midsummer works is that it's not a traditional horror movie and there is that thematic element behind it which makes it more than just a horror film and i don't say that lightly um like i love horror movies and i think they are a way to explore issues that very few movies can but some horror movies are just there to scare people and not really do much else. Um, yeah. and, and, one... and I do think there's a place for that. 
Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, and one of the things that I really love about the the horror renaissance that's going on at the moment is that you've got those movies and you've got really effective versions of those movies where it's just, yeah, you're going to come in, you're going to get fucking scared and then you're going to leave. But then you've also got movies like this um, or It Comes at Night, um, which is another A24 movie, I think, um, which is one of my favourite films of all time, um, all right. where they really shake things up um it comes at night is is definitely not one that we can watch here um but basically horrible vi- um horrible virus has done something bad um the world's society is disintegrating and there's a family um living out in the woods who comes across another family um and it's very very tense very very interestingly shot as well um uh, starring some very good people as well so joel edgerton um christopher Abbott, uh riley keogh as well it's a very very interesting movie um and and again that's one of those things that really explores these thematic elements that have sometimes been missing from horror movies and i think that's not the fault of horror as a genre but i think it's a fault of the um of the 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 nature of hollywood how oh you're making a horror movie you can't do anything interesting with that you've just yeah. gotta, you've just got to make people scared of another if like people go to it killer. in the cinema and they go, oh, I didn't like it because it was a bit weird. No one will ever be able to make a horror movie again. That's <laughs> yeah. how cinema works. That's it. That's exactly how it works. That's how capitalism destroys art. Um, and interestingly enough, that happened when uh, I saw It Comes at Night at the cinema. Is Some of the people afterwards were like, oh, well, that was a waste of time. It's <laughs> like, what the <laughs> are you expecting? This is like an artistic horror movie, you jebens. Um, Would you like another thousand found footage films all doing the same thing over and over again? <laughs> exactly. Bricks. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I like, um, what's the one where they've got to stay quiet? A Quiet Place. I like A Quiet Place. And I'm intrigued. I've still not seen it. I'm intrigued to see the sequel when it comes out. But that is a movie that is just fluff and it's just there to scare and it's got, sentimental family stuff in it but without really making any point um and and that's an example of a really good straightforward horror movie whereas movies like this and movies like it comes at night they're there to make you think and those are the films where you'll think about them two weeks later and you'll realize something disturbing that didn't hit you on the first time you watched it and that's yeah. gonna that's gonna get you, Paddy. In two weeks' time, you're gonna think of something from this movie and have a little shudder down your down your back. Um, and it was good to hear from you that you've now seen it three or four times and that it was still good each time. And there were things that you noticed about it each time as well, which I think also is comparatively rare for a horror film. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, it's um, it, it's one of those films which really grows on you, and the more you watch it, the more you it's not a film that you can watch regularly um as i'm sure you'll agree um but when you do rewatch it you do get a lot out of it yeah whereas i'm sure you don't get anything out of rewatching a film like hostel <laughs> no i don't think i have ever rewatched hostel i have no interest in doing that um whereas i i, I would rewatch a quiet place i haven't rewatched it but i would rewatch a quiet place and that is uh, very, yeah I, i'm interested to see that it is a very it, it is a very I'll good film it and it's one. got it's got your favorite man in it and he yeah. directed it as well didn't he he made it yeah um which yeah which is which is interesting i like it when when people because because if you if you looked at john krasinski's um career 
you would not immediately think, oh, he's going to go make a horror movie, would you? <laughs> you know? No. Given given that the, the most memorable of his roles have been sort of um, more drama-based or, or comedy or romance-based, you wouldn't he's think... He's still Jim from The Office. Yeah. Or, That's never um, going to change. Or Away We Go, Man. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love that film. Yeah, that film has a special place in my heart. Yes, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um but um, but yeah, you wouldn't immediately think he's going to go make a, a horror movie about terrifying monsters, <laughs> you know. Um, no. But but um, but yeah, so it's a good film. I would recommend it. But um, but yeah, Midsummer is one of those movies that really challenges you, and I like it when a film is challenging. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily want you to be on her side at the end, does it? I think the film is okay with the fact that you might look at her and go, "Why are you smiling while your boyfriend dies in a fire?" But it also would be happy if you were to be to side with her. Yeah, exactly. Because it's she is a sympathetic character um, and is made out to be sympathetic all the way through. So, like I said, it's that challenging binary of you're happy that she's found peace, but at the same time, terrified that this cult has taken her in. And and I think that's the real friction that drives this movie. You know, you've got the disintegration of that relationship. You've got this awful boyfriend. And what fills that void between a lack of support from a, from a loved one and the loss of her family? It's the worst possible thing. It's a cult of people that eat raw herring. <laughs> yeah. Love me some raw herring. <laughs> um but but yeah it is it is it's an interesting movie i think it's um it's very good and you know we are a a romance centric podcast though so i don't know if it's worth going in more detail a little bit about their relationship yeah Um, for sure because it does give you plenty of detail about it and it does portray it in a good way and it makes it seem you know contemporary as well without making it all be like hey i'm texting you and we like tiktok and stuff (laughs) hold on i'm just gonna send you a a, a whatsapp or a snapchat of my dick he's the kind of you can imagine christian in this movie is the kind of guy that's just snapchatting people his dick all the time can't you yeah um, but yeah but in I, a lazy way yeah he doesn't yeah. bother to make it look nice you know he doesn't <laughs> so, take a nice shot doesn't he doesn't think about the photos. angle or giving it a trim or whatever it's, <laughs> it's just a a half in focus <laughs> chubby penis is just sending it around <laughs> to everybody um, yeah like say some something out of Star Wars, you know. <laughs> um uh Jabba the Chode. Um anyway. Yeah. Um but but yeah, I, I think their relationship is one of the most interesting parts of this movie and it's really strong the way that it's portrayed where he is a disinterested boyfriend and he makes no um and, and the movie doesn't try and hide that fact. Um, and what's interesting is the way that he still pretends to be a good boyfriend and still clearly thinks that what he's doing is being a good boyfriend when in fact what he's doing is, um, you know, isolating and emotionally manipulating his girlfriend. It's it's, it's the bits where she apologizes for his bad actions towards her um, multiple yeah. times throughout the movie. and. I know that we don't like a passive protagonist in this podcast. And one of the most interesting things about this movie is that she is quite passive, but it works incredibly well in the framing of this film. Um, Because what it's trying to to talk about is that kind of passivity and, and that kind of manipulation and that kind of oppression within a relationship, I suppose. Yeah. Which does happen. And it's good to be able to explore that on film 
in a way that isn't boring or lazy. Yes, exactly. So you, um, you don't really think of her as passive, even though a lot of the stuff does just kind of happen to her. Yes, exactly. And um, you're completely right that this isn't done lazily, where often, um, you know, uh, a bad boyfriend in a movie is is done in a really lazy way. So it might just be, oh, he cheated on me or, oh, he hit me or something like that, where it's immediately going to the, the ultimate final point of this is a bad boyfriend. But but this movie sows the seeds of a manipulative partner in a way that very few movies are able to do. Um, where you yeah. see that you see the disinterest, you see the selfishness, um, and it's really potent. I suppose um, it really showcases just how much of an asshole he is. Yeah, it's good, good assholery. <laughs> exactly, exactly, good assholery. Um, and the thing is that it's all kind of assholery within the context of their relationship and him just being a shit boyfriend as well, isn't it? It's kind of you really feel that it feel it from her perspective, and that I guess stops it from being passive because you feel like she's somehow active in that because she's complacent in it. It's a really yeah, it's a funny thing that she manages to draw you in whilst having all this crap happen to her. But ultimately, all of that is building up towards the the choice that she does make and the action that she does take at the very end. I know we keep coming back to the final scene, but it is just so effective. That shot of her just smiling at the end. Yeah, wearing a pyramid of flowers as well. It's, 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 yeah, it's so, so impactful, that that final scene. Um, Basically, everywhere from when... Because she has to choose who the final sacrifice is and it's between a randomly chosen um villager from the murder lottery um or the final member of the the group brought in to be sacrifices um and she chooses her boyfriend over the random guy um yeah and it's entirely justified (laughs) you know um because the last time she saw him he was shagging someone else while all the other women were around him singing and showing their bums (laughs) Yes, yeah, um, and um, and yeah. So it, it's it's really interesting the way that they did that, where that's the kind of final rejection of what was left of her life before this trip, um, and from now on, she you know she's their May Queen. She's going to remain there, and she's found this place with them. Um, she won't have to do anything this awful again because it's only every ninety years that they do this this ritual. Yeah, um, but it's still sort of like bloody hell. This is really terrifying and horrible yeah there's a really great shot where um she's talking to pele about how shit christian is and he goes does he feel like home to you and then it just cuts to the mangled faces of the man and woman who've jumped off the cliff <laughs> when they're on <laughs> yes, the like stretches yeah. um yeah it's it's it, and, and again that's kind of showing that that dichotomy almost isn't it of yeah, this is your home until you turn 72 and then you've got to jump off a cliff. And if that doesn't kill you, we're going to smash your head in with a giant hammer. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, it's again, it's, yeah, it's really, um, again, showing the hypocrisy of this so-called peaceful home where it it is always a stone's throw away from absolute violence. Yeah. But it only happens at kind of key strategic points. The, yes. The absolute yeah. violence. In this yeah. film, it knows when to use it. And when to keep it under wraps. Yeah, exactly. It's and and for the most part it's a very peaceful movie in terms of um the amount of violence on screen. It it really uses it, like you said, at these these perfect moments for short for short amount of time and then it moves on. Um 
and I I, th- I think that's what I really like about it. And and um, Hereditary is similar actually, um, where there are some moments which are genuinely very very shocking, but they're done sparsely so that they really impact you when you see them. Right. Um, yeah, so, that's good. So yeah, Ari Aster is one to watch. He's made two very very good films. Um, his next film, he's hinted, is going to be a four-hour-long nightmare comedy. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> when you said four hours, uh, four hours long, I was thinking he's turning into Lars von Trier. But, <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think there is that, cons- that there is that concern, isn't it? Because sometimes these people who have a very unique voice, they go off the deep end. Like like Nicholas Winding Refn is a perfect example where he made Drive, which is an incredible movie. Oh yeah. Um, and then follow it up with two very, very hard to get into films um, where he basically just said, I'm going to go do all of the artistic bits of Stanley Kubrick's work, but without any of the plots. Here, look at some neon and there's some blood. <laughs> and that was it for, for two whole movies. Um, but um, but yeah, so I do wonder what's going to happen next for him. Is he going to start making more difficult movies um, or is he just teasing us with a four hour long nightmare comedy? which does sound cool the combination of those words is not a bad combination of words (laughs) yes exactly um and whatever he does next i'm gonna watch it Um, yeah me too he's he's a very interesting director um yeah i'm excited to see what he comes up with next yeah me too it's a good it's a very good film and it made me feel you know, excited about film as a medium you know as a great film should you could see the accomplishment in it as well yeah, it, it it is a a really great <clears throat> film, and um, I don't know if you've seen any mo- other movies from A twenty four. What they, other f- films? So they have done an Adam Sandler oh. movie. They did Uncut Gems. Oh no, I still haven't seen that. I, I um, do want to see that. Actually. They did Room, the Brie Larson film. I don't know if you if you've seen that. No, but I did read the book, which is very good. Oh, okay, excellent. Um, and Moonlight. Sorry, I know books are for nerds. Books are for nerds um, and Moonlight, um, but they've really been at the forefront of um, of horror movies as well. So they've sort of got the distribution rights for films like The Witch. Um, they did this. They did It Comes at Night. Um, they also distributed right. Ex, Ex Machina in the States, I think, but not over oh, here. Oh, cool. Um, so they've been really um, they've been really pushing. Um, interesting and difficult films in a way that not many other um not many other sort of production houses are um so i think yeah there's some there's some real skill there behind them that they're willing to take such risks that's really cool yeah i've got so much time for that Um, that's an impressive body of work yeah so we like we like ua24 give us some give us some more stuff yeah keep keep up the good work Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so have you got anything else you want to say about, about Midsummer? No, I don't think so. It's it's a very, very good film that is, you know, really, really worth your time. Not not your average horror film. I think, obviously, if if you're squeamish and don't like horror films in general, it's probably not for you. But if you if you enjoy horror films, then, yeah, absolutely, you should see this if you haven't seen it already. It's, it's, it's very good. Yes, yeah, and I, I really agree with that. This is not a film for everyone. Um, but if you are inclined towards horror movies or artistic cinema, um, this is a, a real gem to watch. And um, just to reiterate, a really great performance from Florence Pugh as well. She's 
you know, 100%. People, people talk about she's her like a real up and coming star. Like she's Oscar worthy now and she's 24 or something. She's got so many decades of incredible performances ahead of her. Yes. Yeah. Cause, cause I'd say that her performance in this is Oscar worthy. It's incredible how, how much impact she has. Um, yeah. and yeah, she's only going to get better and better and better from here. Um, so, um, so yeah, one definitely want to watch if you've not watched anything with her in so far, which is, I'd be surprised because she's turned up on this podcast a few times already, hasn't she? Yeah. Um, she keeps but, coming um, back. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely more that's going to come up in her career. Um, and I'm excited to see where she goes next as well. I want to um, see that one where she is in the wrestling family that's based on a true story. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, fighting fighting, with, my fighting with my family. I've heard that's really good. That looks great. Um, yeah, and some really, really brilliant people in it as well, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's great. So, so a little bit of trivia for you. So, I, I think I mentioned that this is primarily shot in Hungary, not in Sweden. Um, Swedish press were not scared by this movie. Um, they thought it was an excellent black comedy, which I agree with. I think it's not. It, it is. It is. It is comedic. There, there's lots of comedic elements to it, and they're clearly intentional. Um, so yeah, do, I, I think do bear that in mind. Um, apart from that, uh, there is only one American actor in this film. So um, William Jackson Harper is American. Um, but yeah. Jack Rayner Christian is Irish. Florence Pugh is obviously English, and Will Poulter is English as well. Um, yes, but that's yeah. right. And it was good that it was a co-production with um, yeah with Sweden as well. It felt like they had a lot of good um, Swedish input to get it to where it needed to be. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's 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 yeah. A lot of the supporting cast are Swedish. Um, yeah. Which is, which is that really side good. of it felt very authentic, which often people don't bother to do, do they? No. No. Exactly. When um, although, making Ameri- Americans making films, I mean. Um, although apparently a lot of their dress is actually Hungarian in nature, um, as opposed to Swedish. But I don't mind that. It's it still works. It still works. Um, ultimately it is fiction <laughs> yes exactly there is not really a secret death cult in the middle of sweden burning well, maybe there is bears. oh yeah yeah maybe there we is. we don't know that do we um and finally um the film was not released during midsummer in sweden but a few weeks afterwards <laughs> <laughs> um and um oh no here's a really good one actually ariana grande is a fan of the film calling it one of her favorite <laughs> films of 2019 <laughs> Good. Um, I'm very, I'm very glad she enjoyed it. She, she even threw a midsummer themed party for herself on her 27th birthday. Hmm. Um, so, Ariana, why didn't you let us know? You could have been a guest on this podcast episode. Yeah, we know, we know you you're a big week. fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so that's it for for midsummer. How are we going to rate this? Uh, let's see. Well. How many people do you need to choose to go in the yellow triangle house to be burned burned alive to complete the ritual of Big Somar? <laughs> Big Somar, I love it. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be seventeen people for me. Um, I'm taking off points because of the ableism. If it wasn't for that, this would be a, a really high scoring film. But it is it is um, yeah, it does have those issues at the beginning, but it does overcome them. I think. Yes, it does, which is, you know, is always a testament to any filmmaker's skill. I, I I completely agree. I was thinking exactly the same. 
We need to have a film that's going to divide us. I, I keep, I, we've been, I've been agreeing with you a lot about the scores recently. Yeah, it's true, it's true. But up next, we do have a movie which might divide us because I know it's from a director that you are sometimes not a fan of. Sometimes, yeah. Um, so it's not Quentin Tarantino. Oh, thank fuck for that. <laughs> um, we're going to be watching um, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Ah, okay. Yes, I ge- generally not a fan, but I, I am willing to, I'm willing to approach his work with more of an open mind than with some of the other directors I don't like. So, yeah, that's excellent. Fair. Cool. Well, yes, that's what we've got up next. I, I hope you're excited. Good choice. About, Very good choice. Um, yeah, I've got some good ones. We've we're, we're ending with two shit pieces. Um, good, good. That's the that's the perfect balance, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is what is Halloween if not shit pieces? Yeah, a shit piece pumpkin festival. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, right that that's it from me. I think. Yes, very very good. So thanks a lot for tuning in. We really really appreciate it. Um, I hope you enjoyed Midsommar, which is a very very good film. Um, and I hope you're down with Halloween month and all the great. Um, romantic horror films we're going to watch and and great does include the shit pieces you listeners get down come on get down with halloween month (laughs) that really doesn't scan (laughs) it does not (laughs) um but yeah thanks a lot for tuning in we really really do appreciate it and we're always happy that you come on this journey with us um we've covered some great films in our previous halloween months actually so if you're in the mood for more why not go back and check out last year and the year before and we talked about films such as only lovers left alive and it follows and tucker and dale versus evil (laughs) oh my god yes tucker and dale versus evil (laughs) yeah i I think there's genuinely some quite interesting stuff in our halloween back catalogue as well as our back catalogue in general um so check that out if you're if you're hungry for more yeah go go and i love horror movies as has probably been established by now um and um yeah we've covered some we've covered some good ones uh here so yeah do go and listen back to those episodes yeah and there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money if you like what we do you can also find us on twitter at big boys don't pod or you can email us big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com love to hear from you but the most important thing this month to say is keep it spooky Keep it spooky. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ghost. Ghost, ghost, ghost. <laughs> I had to get that one in there. <laughs> of course, of course. Sometimes I wonder what I'm going to do because there ain't no cure for the summertime. Yeah.